This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. We're still in Joshua, and then probably next week we'll have a bit of a break. We'll see where we go after that. But I want to read from Joshua chapter 6 and verse 24. So Jericho, uh, that's where we're at. They burned up the city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, her father's household, and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joseph had sent to spy on Jericho. And she lives in Israel to this day. Now, there's a lesson in how you interpret the Bible there, isn't there? It must have been when it was written. You know, that's the problem with literalism, isn't it? Because you'd have a very, very old lady still living in in Jericho. And that would be good, wouldn't it? That'd be really interesting. At that time, Joshua imposed this curse. Cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes the rebuilding of this city, Jericho. He will lay its foundation at the cost of his firstborn. He will set up its gates at the cost of his youngest. And the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. So in many ways, this book is the story of Joshua, yet at the same time, it is the story of God himself. Not that Joshua was God. He never thought he was. He was a man who knew how to worship God and to obey his commands. But notice this. Joshua spared Rahab and her family. It's all God's doing, but when everything is said and done, Joshua spared them. So there they are, they're going into the city, they burn it. In the excitement and the activity of that, activity of that, I, she could easily have been overlooked. Dismissed, even, oh, we're in the city now, let's just get on with it. Let's forget about Rahab. But no. A Joshua was a man who knew God. God's purposes. And here he was. He was... He was a fighting man, but he understood mercy. You see, that's like God, isn't it? God knows how to fight. Don't ever be mistaken about that. God knows how to fight. You read the whole of this word of God. God knows how to fight. So when there is someone who knows how to fight, who holds back, mercy counts an awful lot more. It's it's almost easy to be merciful if you're weak, if you don't know how to fight. It's it's almost as if, well, that's, that's where it goes. God knows how to fight. Joshua knows how to fight. But he spared her. And, and his sparing of her, his mercy, was on the basis of his goodness and his justice and his faithfulness to understanding God's ways. So he spared her, and she finds her place in history. It's remarkable, really. But then Joshua is not finished yet. 
And this might seem a strange couple of verses, really. He imposed a curse. And he said the words that we've read, if anybody rebuilds this city, then they better watch out. But it will cost them the death of the firstborn and the death of the youngest. That's pretty tough talking. It's not just something in the moment. There he is, he's excited, he's in the city, and he kind of runs ahead of himself, and, and, and now he's, oh, well, I'm going to say this now, this will sound good. Not at all. He's reflecting God's purposes. He's reflecting the goodness of God. He's reflecting God's mercy. Is it mercy? Well, we have to think about that. God's purposes. God's faithfulness to what he has said. And so this man is the man who said this. But he says it because he knows God. He knows how God acts. He understands the purpose of Jericho. He understands that the move into the land at this time and what took place in Jericho, its spiritual warfare, is a guy who understood that. And he understands that this is a foundational principle. The destruction of Jericho was absolutely vital and foundational for the future of the nation. And so he spoke. And when he spoke, I think he was a man who understood God. And he was a man who understood people. And I think he had eyes to see. Now this could go two ways. The city, it was rebuilt. And I'll read you a little passage about that in a moment. It might not have been rebuilt. They could have remembered what Joshua had said. Or even better, they could have understood God's purposes. And they could have been faithful to the purposes of God. But they weren't. And so this is what happened. We'd have to go to 1 Kings and chapter 16. I'm going to read from verse 29. You'll get the story here. Ahab, son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Judah's king Asa. So already there's a split in the kingdoms. Ahab, son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight more than all of those who were before him. Then as if following the sin of Jeroboam's sin of Nebat was a trivial matter, he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and then proceeded to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. During his reign, he held the Bethelite built Jericho. At the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, he laid its foundation. At the cost of Segub, his youngest, he set up its gates. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. This is about 500 years later. 
and if we know anything about the Old Testament, and we know the course of history, we see the decline, the spiritual decline of that people. And, and here's, the, here's the difficulty, I think, for Joshua. He knew God. He was totally committed to God's ways. He's unafraid. He's obedient. He's a man of faith. He's a man of war. And remember, Jericho was spiritual warfare. He was a man of mercy. He was a good man. He knew God, but he knew people. And even during his time, the seeds of the failure and the division of the nation were already beginning to sprout. And I think for Joshua, that was a terrible, terrible thing. He knew God, and he knew what God required, and he knew what God would do. And he knew these people. And I think that he, he knew that when he'd finished his work and he wasn't there, things would deteriorate drastically. And they did. And so he spoke to it. Now this is Israel. We are not ancient Israel. Uh, we've not put an Asherah pole up. Well, you know what that was? That was, uh, it was like a totem pole, really. It was a place where they worshipped pagan gods. They worshipped demons. That's how far away from God it went. But it didn't need to. Because when he speaks the words, I think that he sees this is what's going to happen. But it didn't have to happen. When he says, cursed is the man who rebuilds the wall, it doesn't mean absolutely that there will be a man that will do that. But he kind of knew it would happen. And there is a very powerful message in this for the church today. It did not take 500 years for the church to go down. Well, it didn't take 500 years for, for Israel to go down either. Uh, but it took that long for it to get to the bottom. <laughs> it, it seems to me that that when God's man is not in the spot, why were people following him? Everything was fine while he was there. There was a couple of things that, that happened during his time, Achan, uh, and there's some Gibeonites come in and mess things up a bit. But basically, he keeps Israel safe. When he's gone, there's a downward path. And it tells me that they will follow Joshua as long as they get what they want. And, and maybe there's a pretense of following God in it. And of course, some people did follow the Lord. They always has done. There has always been throughout Israel a remnant of true people, true worshippers of God. It's the same with the church. But the rot set in when they did not have a Joshua to keep them on track. And I don't think it was very long before they forgot what Joshua had said. Of course, it's recorded. It's there. It's written down. If they've taken the care uh, to check it all out, uh, let's remind ourselves what happened in those days. What did God say to Joshua? What was it that Joshua did? If they have kept uh, carefully the remembrance of that, they would have done well. But they're in the land. 
Joshua has taken them there. He has helped them settle. He's done all of those things. But really, when he's gone, what happened? We know what happened. Read Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own sight. That's no good for anybody. That's where it all went wrong. And then they asked for a king. Well, it was always God's purposes to give them a king. There's no issue with that. But they wanted a king that they wanted. Not God's king. Some guy that, what were they thinking? He looks good. Maybe they could manipulate him because he was a weak guy. Some king that gave them what they wanted. So they got him for a season. And as time went on, they were good kings. And when they were good kings, things went well for them. They, un they end up, they, they don't have this anymore. I mean, they didn't have everything that we have. But, you know, the, those early books along the way, the foundation of truth and what God had done somehow gets dim. To such an extent that all kinds of belief systems from that, that land that they were in, uh, in which all of the pagan influences should have been pushed away, but they weren't, until they start to infiltrate. They've forgotten. They wanted what they wanted. They were disobedient. They didn't even understand anymore. Really, they'd abandoned God. And, and even in the whole process of that, they, they still had their priesthood. They still had their religious rulers and fooled themselves into thinking that because they had that, they're okay. But they weren't. Because they had moved away from that foundation that was actually laid at Jericho. See, Jericho was the critical point. God will fight for you. This is God's way. It's not man's way. Uh, it's not what people desire for themselves. Fooling themselves that if they get what they want, everything will be fine. It won't. God has a better way. And so they had abandoned the foundational principles of entering the land. I, I think that for Joshua... He saw that. It's distressing. In the same way that, that Paul in the New Testament, now he's talking about the church. In the same way that Paul would say to the Corinthian church in particular, I, I've, I've laid an excellent foundation here. You be careful what you do with it. Same principle. And you look at a story like this, and you think, this is a funny one. What's Joshua doing cursing? Well, actually, he's declaring the justice and the honor of God and his ways and his purposes. And he's saying, you go your way. You do what you want to do. You cannot avoid the consequences. That's what he's saying. Well, that's the right thing to say. It's a good thing to say. Because if they had heeded that, they would have spared the nation defeats. They would have spared the nation the ungodly influence of those tribes, pagan tribes outside. But they didn't. So that's why he cursed them. Because he knew the path that they would take. 
and we must never, ever forget the true and good foundations based upon Christ and everything that is taught to us from this word from beginning to end. Because if we choose a different kind of way, if we choose false mercy rather than the kind of mercy that Joshua was showing, if we choose ways that satisfy our own thinking, if we do that kind of thing, there is trouble ahead. But if we hear the voice of God and we say like Joshua said, I'm going to serve the Lord. My people will serve the Lord. His way, no other way. Remember with Jericho, there was the six and the seven. The people had to do what they had to do. They were quite content to walk around the city following Joshua. Because they knew actually uh, that he was in touch with God. Uh, and it would be fine. They knew that really. But they were freeloaders. They're just dangling on at the end for what they can get. Because once they're in the land, the things change. And so it is vital that we do not move from the understanding of the greatness of the purposes of God. They do not change generation to generation. This took 500 years, but the decline had begun even in Joshua's time. And I think that must have been awful for him because he knew, but he would not move. And God's people are the people who will not move. They know the difference between yes and no. God's true people are the people who will look to God in all his goodness and they will follow his way without compromise that's the kind of man Joshua was is that the kind of people we are that's what I want to be so I say if it's God don't push me you can have your thoughts and your opinions but if it's God's way do not push me because there are consequences when people stand against Joshua because in the end it's Joshua that mentioned in the days of Joshua these things were said let us be absolutely committed because I know there are folks here who are just the same as that they will not move from the things of God their desire is to him and his way and they will obey him if that's the case God will fight for us if it's not he won't and the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. I'm not saying our fame will spread anywhere. But the principle is this. When God's people are faithful, when they are courageous, when they will be people of spiritual war and know how to show mercy when it is right, then God will be for us. If not, read the rest of the book. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. 
Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.